Wow. If you can't preach after that, you just can't preach, I don't think. My land. Thank you guys so much. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Lori, and all the team. Guys sounded amazing. Uh, Tony, thank you, man. Getting into it. God bless you. It's awesome. Woo. Praise the Lord. We do welcome you. So glad you're here uh, today, both online as well as in person. And got some dear friends from, well, we were at Liberty Baptist Church together, Jerry and your great family. Uh, they live in San Antonio now. And so um, I was their pastor many, many moons ago, but so delighted to have you guys with us, worshiping the Lord with us here at Great Hills. We're honored. Uh, we are in a pandemic like everybody else. And so we're doing the, doing the best we can. We're all scattered abroad. Grateful to God we got this big sanctuary so you all can just scatter abroad, you know, and take naps and we'll never see you and to hear you. So, no, we're delighted that you're here. And online, guys, again, many, many of you are online worshiping with us. Um, Jerry, you just mentioned to me, Gary and uh, Glenda uh, Meinhart, who are in South Carolina worshiping the Lord with us. And we have people in Indiana and Virginia and Alabama and it's pretty amazing how Great Hills is grown enormously through the pandemic. I, I can't explain that. I don't know how God works things out, his mathematics and his economy, but hey, we're glad. We're glad to worship the Lord with you. And if you're in the room right now, and if you'll do what I did a moment ago with my phone, if you're on Facebook, just go ahead and click share because many people will join in with you as you worship the Lord with us here. Uh, I'll give you permission to do that if you want to do that. Please don't check all your messages, you know, and catch up with everybody. Just uh, click the share because it will let people know uh, that you're in church and worshiping the Lord. So music. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about various songs that God is using and he has used in my life to draw me in a closer uh, walk with him. Martin Luther says, the word of God and sacred music are two very powerful tools in, tools in the Christian's life. I'll start with a couple of uh, contemporary Christian songs. I'm, you know, we had Matthew West here for a couple of days here in our church. He was doing concerts. He was doing little breakout sessions, and he spoke in the Texas Values Conference and did a tremendous job. And he was sharing, he said, you know, I've written songs for Rascal Flats, and I've written songs for Vince Gill, and I've written songs for a multitude of people that you would recognize. He said, but I've never had anybody come up to me after having heard one of my country music hits and tell me, thank you for that song because it changed my life. I mean, God used that song. He said, not once has the lyrics walking in the sand with my shoes in the sand, you know, and he said, none of that has ever really changed a person's life. He said, but I can't tell you how many times. People have come up to me, one of the sacred songs, the songs built on the scriptures, and how they said, listen, it changed my life, it saved my life, it saved my marriage, and, and on and on. I got a couple of those songs that are just, just rolling over in, in my mind. And one of them's by Elevation Worship, it's called Graves Into Gardens. You turn graves into garden, you turn bones into armies, you turn seas into highways because God, you're the only one who can. Is that not amazing? Woohoo! I see somebody over here likes that song, like me. Is that Mark Hall? God bless you. Let me give you another one. Need to Breathe. Anybody familiar with Need to Breathe? Woo, come on, Need to Breathe is so amazing. You know, years, for years they opened up for uh, Taylor Swift and I don't think they're doing that uh, anymore. It doesn't break my heart. But anyhow, Need to Breathe, uh, who am I? While I'm on this road, you take my hand somehow you really love. Anybody? Who I really am. I push you away and you won't let go. Listen to this. You grow your roses on my barren soul. Who am I? Come on. Reading Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 10, I had a lot of songs going through my mind, but one of them was written by Elisha, Hoffman. Now that's a cool name, Elisha Hoffman. And I thought about his hymn, plunge into day and be made complete glory to his holy name. He lived to the ripe old age of 90. He died in 1929, right at the beginning of the great depression. His dad was a pastor. And as the pastor priest in his home, the pastor would get his children around him and his wife. And they would have, look at this morning devotions, and evening devotions. And it just, 
made me think, parents, if you have kids in your house, can I just come alongside of you with our young adult ministry right now and say these words, please, please, please take some time. It may not be every morning, every night. It may not even be every day. It may be every other day. Or How about starting once a week that men of God, by the way, who are the pastors in your home, get your kids together, have your wife, and y'all just pray with your kids and read scripture. It's amazing. Because what happened to Elisha, he said during those times, during those times of singing praise, God instilled in me a passion to write hymns that the world would sing. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? That's Elisha Hospital. Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? He went on to become a pastor in uh, Michigan at the First Presbyterian Church in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And he said when people, his testimony wasn't, when he wasn't in his study, studying a sermon, <laughs> I resemble that, that statement, when he's not in his uh, study, going over a message, he was preparing another hymn, 2,000 of them. Wrote 2,000 sacred hymns, one of them. Uh, he met this lady and uh, she was having a hard time and she was just so depressed and so discouraged and and he told her, he said, ma'am, you must tell Jesus about your sorrow. Remember that one? I must tell Jesus all of my sorrows. Mm, yes, he can help me, Jesus alone. Yeah, I remember that. It's amazing. I had all these songs, but here's the one that kept bubbling up, rising up in me, and it was this one. Glory to his name. Down at the cross where my Savior died, down where from cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart, the blood was applied, glory to his name. I am so wondrously saved from sin, Jesus sweetly abides within. There at the cross he took me in, glory to his name. Oh, precious fountain that saves from sin, I am so glad, praise God, that I have entered in. There Jesus saves me and keeps me from sin, glory to his name, and here it comes. As I'm reading Acts chapter 10, I kept hearing these words, plunge, dive in today, come to this fountain so rich and sweet, cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet, plunge in today and be made complete, glory to his name. Y'all know that old hymn? Y'all know that song? Good. I can tell I'm a little more excited about it than y'all are. But anyhow, let me, let, me give, let me go to Acts uh, chapter 10. That's our text today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me. This is the last sermon in, the, in my study of Acts chapter 10. We have preached many sermons going verse by verse, line upon line, and that's what we're doing here at Great Hills. We're studying the book of Acts. Jesus just might come back before we finish the book of Acts, but that's okay. I'm enjoying the study. I hope you are. I hope you're learning a lot. I hope you're applying what you're learning. We've looked at a couple of things. First of all, there was a, there was a meeting. I call them the Joppa Seven. There are seven men from Joppa or Jaffa or Tel Aviv is what we would call it today. On the coast there of Caesarea by the sea, about 30 miles south of the city Caesarea. They are there and they are worshiping the Lord. The early church has been birthed and for, for what they can tell right now, this is a church for the Jews. This is a brand new thing that God is doing for the Jewish people. But in the heart of God, it wasn't just for the Jews, it was for the Samaritans. Y'all remember Acts chapter one, verse eight. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, remember? Judea, Samaria, and what? Uttermost parts of the earth. Now, that's God's design and that's God's desire, but you know, we're mere mortal human beings and frail and sometimes we're slow to grasp and slow to understand. So God begins to work in the apostle Peter's life and he's like, Peter, look at this. This gospel is not just for the Jews only, but it's for the Samaritans in Acts chapter eight and now Acts chapter 10. This is a watershed moment. This is one of those pinnacle moments in the history of Christendom when the gospel moves out of the confines of Judaism or birthed in the cradle of Judaism and it moves out and aren't you glad, praise God, it moved all the way over to the United States and you and I got saved. Woo, praise the Lord. 
Now, Ken, how good is your arm? I need to ask you to throw me one of those because just, just throw it. If I can catch it, amen. Whoa, good. Hit me squarely in the chest, amen. I caught it though. I'm gonna refuse all of those football analogies. They're just going through my head, suppress that. Just so glad my team won and some of yours did too. All right, so we're in Acts chapter 10. That's the meeting. And then here's the message. The message that Peter preached that day, oh my word, praise God, for a gospel-centered message on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This sermon is so Christocentric. It has much, much more to do with Jesus than anthropocentric or anthropology. I'm so concerned, I'm I'm really frightened homiletically because there's an avalanche and enormity of what I would call anthro sermons, anthropology sermons about how you feel and how do you get through this and get through that. And I think our greatest need in the church today is a resurgence and a revival of biblical preaching, getting back to what Jesus said, what he actually said and what the gospel writers had to say. Telling you, the power of God is in the Word of God as the Spirit of God energizes the people of God, as the Word of God just absorbs us and it it changes us. It moves us out of complacency. It moves us out of oh my, all my concerns and all my problems and all my worries. And God heals us, makes us whole, and empowers us to go and be the church. And that's the way it's always been in the heart and the mind of God. And I want us to be, I, don't, I want us to be so gospel-centered, so Christocentric that we, we absorb all that God wants for us. And then we go out and when the world squeezes us, come on now, we're going to get squeezed. And whatever's inside, when we get pressured, it's going to come on out of us to the outside. All right, let's read the text together. Here it is. There's a, there's a meeting, caught you up with the meeting, the message Peter's preaching, and then you're going to see the miracle of salvation. Now, verse uh, 40, let's get 42. And he commanded us, Peter said, Jesus gave us the strict commandment to caruso, which is to herald or to proclaim to the laos, the laity, to the people, and to martyreo, to be martyrs if necessary. Jesus commanded us, his apostles, his disciples, to proclaim to the people the gospel, the good news, and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God. Jesus was ordained by God to be the judge, the judge of the living and the dead. To him, Cornelius, are you listening? Cornelius and all your family and friends and military uh, comrades and colleagues, I'm the Apostle Peter. I'm just sharing with you what I've been commissioned to share with you. I speak on the behalf of the king because the king commanded me, commissioned me to testify to the gospel. To him, the prophets, they witness that through his name, whoever believes in Jesus will receive forgiveness of sins. Can I get an amen from anybody? I mean, through Christ, you and I, can have our sins forgiven. No, no, no. God remembers them no more. All of those nasty, dirty deeds and thoughts and actions, the blood of Jesus. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. I've been forgiven. God does not hold my sin against me because Christ took it for me, and so I can live in power and glory and joy, and when I die, I go to heaven because my sins are forgiven. Wow, that is the gospel. That is the good news of the gospel, and Peter's preaching it. Now, while Peter was still speaking, shazam. Can I just say that? Bam. He came. The Holy Spirit came. He fell, David. He fell, that's what you've been talking to me about. God falling down on a church. God falling down on a people, on a house, on an oikos. And the Spirit of God fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, just put in your your Bibles there, the Jews, okay? The Jews who were believed were ecstasin. That's where we get the English word 
ecstatic. They were bewildered. They were overwhelmed with emotion. They were like, oh my word. Watch this, church. Here's, here's the key linchpin. Here's the hermeneutical tool that will help you understand a controversial passage of Scripture. Here's what's going on. Wait a minute. The Holy Spirit that fell upon us in Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit that came on the Samaritans who believed in Acts chapter 8 is the Holy Spirit. And who is he falling on? the uncircumcised Philistines. The Holy Spirit of God is for the Gentiles too. Well, my land, wow, how about this? So they were astonished. As many as came with Peter, remember that's the Joppa seven. You got the six people from Joppa plus Peter, the seven. Because here he is, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them, the Gentiles, they heard Cornelius and they heard his household speak with glossolalia, with tongues, and they magnified God. So we know there were languages because we understood what they were saying. They were magnifying God. Then Peter answered, and by the way, it's the same terminology that you read in Acts chapter 2 verbatim. It's the same glossolalia, and they marveled, and they're speaking. Remember in Acts chapter two, and they said, we hear them speaking the wonderful works of God because the Holy Spirit of God had come down. This is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, man, he comes in you, and he changes you, and he anoints you, and he gives you the power to overcome sin. He does. And Peter said, can anybody forbid water that these should not be, Hannah, God bless you, a moment ago, you got baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. That that is a big old rhetorical question and the answer is no, (laughs) okay, nobody. Guys, there's a lot going on. Are y'all with me? Are y'all understanding what's happening here? This is is big stuff. This is how you and I get in. How many of y'all are Jews? I'm just curious. I mean, throughout, completely, from Levi or Aaron. Okay, you Gentiles, come on, we need to get excited about this. This is absolutely phenomenal that God would save us. Look, he didn't have to, but he wanted to. Because he didn't want to spend eternity in heaven without you and me. So he gives us this gospel that could radically transform our lives and make us the people that he wants us to be, not of our own strength. Man, oh man, aren't you glad that God doesn't look at me and say, dude, you gotta get over your your habits and your hangups and your problems and good luck now, good luck to you. No, God says, let me help you. Let me enter into your world and by the power of my spirit, it may take a little time. Are y'all with me? It may take a little time. Look, salvation is in a moment. I receive Christ, boom, the Holy Spirit of God comes into me, but come on now, sanctification is another deal. It takes, a, it takes some time. He's still working on me. <laughs> Make me what I ought to be. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? And I give you the command to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Then they ask him. (laughs) I just love this part. Hey, dude, could you stick around for a few days? This is pretty amazing. Peter, can you stay with us for a few days? What an amazing text, church. I just love it. I'm gonna walk you through it and share just a a little bit more with you. And I tell you, the older I get, the more I preach, I I can't hardly read the, the Word of God without stopping and just preaching on it. I don't know about you, but when, when, I'm, when I'm immersed in something for so many hours, it just, I just become a part of it. And, and this text, like I said, I, I've thought about it so much and I've studied it so hard. It's, it's just become a part of my life and I've associated songs with it and, and the words are just riveting to my soul. So the message, verse 42, let's go back. Peter is gathered with them. He's preaching and he says, Jesus Christ is gonna judge this world. And I wanna tell you something. If he's gonna judge the world back then, he's gonna judge the world today when he comes. And by the way, he is a coming. And when he comes, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter four, verse one, I charge you therefore before God 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus who will judge the living and the dead, those who are alive when he comes and those who have already departed at his appearing and his kingdom. Can you imagine the utter shock on the faces of people who have rejected him and laughed at him and laughed at us when they find themselves face to face with the king and the creator of the universe? And they stand before him bare and spiritually naked before God. And God says, did you believe on my son, the only son of God who died for you to redeem you? And in that moment, if you say no, you get what you deserve. I get what I deserve. I say, no, I don't believe in you. I rejected you. I go to hell. Who does to blame? Is God to blame as if God is some ogre, some mean-spirited deity in the heavens? Heavens, no! God has shouted to us through the creation, through the human conscience, through the Heilsgeschichte, says the Germans, the holy history, through the Word of God, through the preached Word of God, the living Word of God. God has shouted from the heavens, I love you, believe on me before it's too late. But I'm telling you, a day is coming of reckoning of judgment. You say, well, Brother Danny, hold on, time out. This is a good moment. Let's, let's just pause for just a moment. We, we shouldn't preach like that. You need to tell me some stories about I'm okay and you're okay. Because what you're talking about is not making me feel good. I mean, this is not my best life right now. I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. But what... If you meet God in this moment of the preaching of the word of God and your life is changed forever and you go to heaven. And now you live this life before you go to heaven with power and anointing and favor because the word of God is the bib line. It just has soaked into you and, 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 and it's just changed. It's changed you the way you treat your spouse the way you treat your kids, the way you treat your colleagues and your neighbors, and, and you're just overwhelmed by the goodness and the power of God, then I would say, hallelujah, I'm glad I preached the Bible. In my brief, momentary moments as your pastor, and compared to eternity, this is just a blip on the radar. For to this end, Christ died, and he arose and lived again, that he might be, watch this, Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? Here it comes, church. For we, everybody, we all, now you can study that Greek word and you can parse it and diagram it, but it still means all. I'm just telling you, it just means everybody. And he's talking to the church. Every born again believer is going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Wow. Every word spoken, every deed, we give an account. Now, at the great white throne judgment, you don't want to be there because that's the sentence of death, everlasting death. But the bema, the judgment seat of Christ. So Paul is, pre I mean, Peter is preaching this message in verse 42, and it's anointed. And one writer says, Jesus Christ will be to everybody, either deliverer or judge. Verse 43, Peter, he's, he says, all the prophets witness to him. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, the major prophets, the minor prophets. I've just chosen one, which is Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 11. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Watch this church, Great Hills. Look, look. By, my, by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And that's what Peter's saying. Cornelius, this Jesus has come to be the judge but he's also the savior and it's imperative, it's important that you receive him and you believe on him. Now watch this church, there's been no decision yet. The apostle Peter is like a prosecuting attorney. He is prosecuting the case for Christ and he's about to bring them to the verdict, to the point of decision. Will you reject him Cornelius or will you reject him? And the choice is still the same today. Do we receive Christ or do we Reject Christ. And the, and the pastor or the revivalist or the evangelist or the preacher, call him whatever you may, his job is not to be a cool cat, all right? 
I've left cool a long time ago. I'm not worried about being cool. Man, I'm worried about your eternal soul going to heaven. And that's why I'm preaching the gospel to you. That's why I'm pleading with you. This could be the very last sermon I ever preach. Where are you going, brother? Dan? you got plans? You got a reservation in heaven? Yeah, I got a reservation in heaven. I don't, I don't have any plans going soon, but I could. And I stand before God. And he says, did you preach my book? Did you warn them of the wrath to come? Did you tell them of the power of the Holy Spirit to change a life? And I don't know about y'all, but I want to be able to say, yes, sir. And I, then I want him to say, then well done, my good and faithful servant. When you read Acts chapter 11, you don't, please don't do it right now. In verses 17 and 18, Peter recounts his sermon, his message to Cornelius. Watch this. He said, and everybody repented. Everybody believed. Everybody got baptized. He hit a, he hit a thousand. He batted a, a thousand. So that's his message. Now here comes the miracle. Verse 44, while Peter was preaching, especially about the part of whoever believes on him. You with me? It says in verse 43, if you believe in him, you will receive forgiveness of your sins. And while Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit of God fell. Wouldn't that be awesome? What if every person in this room, no, I'm serious. Because there's a lot of people in this room, just like there's lots, there's thousands of people watching on those cameras there on their little tablets. What if in the course of this message I'm preaching and all of a sudden they go, I get it, I believe. And then they go, wow, hallelujah, praise God. And they just start shouting and they start magnifying the name above every name. That's what went down in Cornelius's house. When it says the Holy Spirit fell, you, you've got to connect the dots. This is the Pentecost, F.F. F. Bruce, wonderful, evangelical. Brilliant New Testament theologian says, quote, the Pentecost of the Gentile world has just transpired. They listened, they believed. The Spirit of God came on them. They were eternally saved and secure. And then they started looking for some water to get baptized. And I just submit to you, God has not changed his mind. He wants me to preach the word and he wants you to get saved. He wants you to receive the Holy Spirit of God so that you receive the power to say no to temptation so that you can live a life of holiness and purity and righteousness and not just acquiesce. Here comes a wind of temptation. It's going to just blow me right over and I'm just going to fly right back into my sin and just capitulate because I just don't have any power. You say, I'm just too weak. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit of God is stronger than your temptation. I mean, you need to, you need to meet him and receive him and let him let him empower you to say no to pornography. But I just can't help it, Brother Danny. I, I'm just a guy. I'm just like the 70, 80% of guys in America. I'm just hooked on it and I just can't get over it. I'm telling you in the name, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, be healed, be cleansed, and may the power of God rest on you so you never look at it again in Jesus' name. Receive it. Men, men of God, receive it. It's not for me. I don't, I'm not, I'm tempted with a lot of stuff, but I praise God I'm not tempted with that. I got a hot, sweet mama right here on the front row. Hallelujah. That, that's who I'm tempted to. All right. In the name of Jesus, be clean. I'm serious. Is God, is he God or is he not? receive it. The fastest growing demographic of being hooked on pornography is women. Did you know that? Women. So women lean into him. Lean into Christ and be cleansed. Receive the Holy Spirit of God who can empower you to become a man or a woman of God, a man or woman of purity. Lord God, grant it, I pray in Jesus' name. It's funny y'all are here from Liberty. I, I had no idea y'all were coming. 
Liberty Baptist Church is an amazing church. Jerry and I were talking about this earlier. It's, it's really exploded into multiple campuses. I don't know, 10,000 people. I think there were two or 3,000 when I was the pastor. It's a good thing I got out of the way so God could just take off, you know. When I was preaching one day, I'm, I'm, after I preached, I met General Bruce Wright, the Lieutenant General there at the uh, Langley Air Force Base. He's a Cornelius. He's a military man. When that dude walked into the church, I'm telling you, it was freaky. People were like, whoa, the general. And they were guys in their civilian clothes, even though they're military, they were like, dude, what do I need to do? I mean, that's the general. He's in church, but what do I do? To... And he's like, chill out, guys. It's okay. It's okay. So he came to my office one afternoon, him and his 16-year-old daughter, Jackie and Carrie. I don't know if y'all are watching. Y'all may be, may not in Washington, D.C. If you are, Bruce, God bless you. I love you. I'm going to tell you a story one more time came to my office. He's 52 years of age. In 1990, he was the squadron commander, Fred, F, right? He led the guys into Gulf, in the Gulf to the storm, to the, to the war. And then he just got promoted after promotion after promotion. Now he's a three-star general. He sat in my office and I said, Bruce, has there ever been a time so you did not, you did not do that. You, oh my word, did you do that? Share the gospel with them? Yes. What else was I going to say? What else do I have to give but the gospel? I said, Bruce, have you ever received Christ? Lieutenant, general? He said, no, sir. I said, here's what you need to do. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you need to repent. You need to be born again by the Holy Spirit. And if you'll do that, You'll go to heaven and you'll have this power of God living within you. He says, Pastor, I want to do that right now. He got on his knees and his 16-year-old daughter, Jackie, got on her knees and they prayed to receive Christ and carry his wife. I looked at her. She goes, I'm good. She said, I'm, it's all good. I've already been saved and I'm glad they are. And sure enough, God saved him. And you know what I had the joy and the privilege of doing? Baptizing him. Please help me now. If you say you receive Christ and you don't, want, you don't want to get baptized, then which Christ did you receive? You say, well, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. I'm, I'm just saying all throughout the New Testament, you genuinely are born again. The pastor does not have to talk you into getting baptized. You're like, dude, I'm signing up because this is my way. What'd you say, Daniel? What'd you say? I'm waving the banner. I'm not ashamed. I think what went down in Cornelius, I think the whole crew got baptized. And I think the Joppa Seven baptized them. I think they had a holy hootenanny party, party over here. Woo, it's breaking out. Holy Spirit of God came and people were being saved and people were being baptized. And oh, that God would do it again today. In our land, in our world, in our church. Verse 45 says, those of the circumcision, those Jews were ecstasized, ecstasy, you hear it? They were ecstatic. They were mesmerized. And one writer says, the same Holy Spirit. He came and the spiritual continental divide between the people had been breached. A lot going on in this, in this uh, sermon that Peter preached. Verse 46, again, I shared with you all the same terminology. You can compare it. If you, if you disagree and you want to read more into this, it's not 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, guys. You with me? That's, that's a different story. This is Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Holy Spirit coming. This is the Pentecostal coming for the, for the Gentiles. F.F. F. Bruce again says, the act of God sending the Spirit overruled... <laughs> the sacred tradition which forbade association with Gentiles. Verse 47, Peter addresses the crowd and he speaks these words of wisdom and, and he, he, he fully understands what he's doing. He, he preaches the gospel and then he, he calls the people to a verdict, receive Christ. And Cornelius and the whole group, the Holy Spirit of God just comes down, they all accept Christ. They, watch this, this is very important. They are all baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say, well, when does that happen? The moment 
You receive Christ. Now, are there subsequent fillings and anointings and experiences? Sure there are. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 5, 18, keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. Let it be in a daily, every day I wake up. You say, well, that's what your problem is. That's why you're so excited. That's why you tell everybody about Jesus because you got the Holy Spirit just running through you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You want this? He said, well, how do I get it? How much does it cost? It don't cost anything. All it costs is you get it on your knees every morning. I say, Holy Spirit of God, I'm a dirty vessel. I'm an empty vessel. Fill me. I repent of my sins. I request that you fill me. And I receive you, Holy Spirit, afresh and anew. He said, that sounds a little charismatous to me. I, I don't know about that. But line it up if it's biblical. And it's biblical. The Holy Spirit of God is the most neglected person of the Godhead in Baptist churches. Let's reinvite him in and his anointing and his power to fall upon us as we preach and as we gather and as we worship. There it comes. Preach salvation. Holy Spirit comes and the people get baptized by water. It hadn't changed in 2,000 years. And the Greek word, by the way, if you're interested, you said, I'm not interested, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. It's baptizo, and it means to fully immerse. So if you have not been fully immersed, you say, oh, please don't go there. Don't, don't go there. I'm happy with my infant baptism as Catholic, and I, I'm happy with my Methodist baptism as sprinkling, and Presbyterians, don't go there. You have not been scripturally baptized until you've been dumped. You say, where did you get that? That's the most preposterous thing I ever heard. I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ was baptized, he got dunked. He submitted himself. Ooh, ooh, maybe that's the problem. You don't want to submit yourself. You want to say Jesus is Lord and no. Oh, mercy. You can't do that. When God says, this is, this is my will for you, you get up there and you testify to the world. And by the way, when you get baptized at Great Hills now, it goes all over the world. Isn't that cool? Anybody want to get baptized? I'm just, I'm just curious. If the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you, you let me know and we will see to it that you get dunked. Amen. Amen. Peter says, they received the Holy Spirit. That's... That's what happens here in verse 47. And they're sealed unto the day of redemption. I got a bunch of verses, but let me read this one. It's 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. This is a great verse for you, church. In your study, if you would, just write these verses into your Bibles. Here it is, verse 21. Now he, God, who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God, who also has sealed us. He, he stamps his guarantee of approval on us by his Holy Spirit. It's in our hearts as a guarantee. Watch this, as a deposit. Y'all know what a deposit is? A deposit is real money. It's not the full amount, but it's a secure, a security. And what the Holy Spirit does is he comes in us as Christians. We have the Holy Spirit of God within us. Are we are we everything at that moment that God wants us to be and God can just rapture us and take us home? No, he has a process, he has a plan for us. But that same Holy Spirit that lives in you now, watch this. Mm, mm, mm. When you die, the Holy Spirit is still in you. And when you die and you go before God, he sees the Holy Spirit, his spirit in you and he knows you're one of his. Or is he just the God of the Jews only? Paul said, no. Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? And Paul says, and yes, of the Gentiles also. Since then, or since there's one God who will justify the circumcised, who is that church? Were y'all listening? The Jews by faith and the uncircumcised, that's us, the rest of us, through faith. Well, that's everybody. Everybody comes through faith in Christ. They're saved, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just ask you this while I'm here. 
How do you break that seal and lose your salvation? You can't. You didn't earn it and you can't lose it. For God's Holy Spirit to come in you and then to you to do something so that makes him leave, that makes a big statement about God that I'm not willing to make. God can never lose something he has found. And I'm so glad, aren't you? I'm so glad I don't have to live in constant fear that I get in an argument with my wife and again, she's right, you know, and I'm fussy and I'm mad and I go storming off and I don't, I don't think I've ever done this. It's just an example. Anyhow, I go storming off and I, I get killed in an automobile accident. And there are people here today who would say, you, my friend, would go to hell. They believe that because I sinned. I didn't ask God to forgive me and I didn't ask my wife to forgive me and so I'm going to hell. That is a horrible, horrible way to live. Man, I'm telling you, re receive the Lord, be born again by the Spirit of God and be free of that so that you have joy. Now, that's not a license to sin, but that is, a, that is an experience to go and live in faith and joy and victory. And when you do sin, God forgives you. All right, here we go. We're wrapping it up. Some of the favorite words of some of you today. <laughs> Honey, did you hear that? He's wrapping it up. Praise God, he's almost done. Verse 48, Peter commanded the new Gentile believers. He said, be baptized. And they were. And then watch what happened. After they were baptized, it says in verse 48, I thought this was so cool. They asked him, would you please stay? Stay with us a few days. Did y'all catch that? Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Anybody? teaching them. So what I think happened, it doesn't say it. I'm just going to use some holy imagination here, some sanctified imagination. What I think happened, I think Peter stayed with Cornelius a few days. I think they ate a lot of food. I think they rejoiced. I think they just praised God. And I think Peter discipled them for a few days. That's God's plan. That's the way God does it. So there's a meeting and there's a message and there's a miracle. I want to invite you who are listening today to be open. Just be open. What have you got to lose? Let God do something miraculous, supernatural in your life. Listen, look, God can surprise you. C.S. Lewis said, when God saved me, this is the story of his conversion. I was, quote, surprised by joy. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Kurt Warner. He's one of my favorite football players. He's, he's an analyst today with the NFL Network. He's 49 years of age. When he was a young man, like 20 years of age, he was playing football. I think it was in Idaho or one of those states up north. Get past Oklahoma, I get dark. I don't, I don't know what's going on in the rest of the world, but anyhow. He, uh, he went to a line dancing. Somebody help me, what is that? Is that, is that country music where you just, you dance in a line, I guess? Anybody wanna come up? I'm sorry, I'm scaring <laughs> I'd have the whole church up here. Bro, this is Texas, come on, let's line dance. Well, Kurt Warner's line dancing and he sees her. He goes, who is that? And they, uh, well, that's Brenda, but be careful. <laughs> And he said, I, I gotta go meet her. And so they met and they're line dancing. They're, it's actually a class that they're taking. And in the parking lot, they talk and they keep talking and he moves in. Gentlemen, y'all know what that means. <laughs> Philip, you know what this means. You're looking at me, but he moved in and puckered up and she went, hold on, buddy. Now he's six foot two. She, she's like, hold on. You, you need to know who I am before you try to kiss me. I'm divorced. I live on food stamps. I got two kids. One of them is blind and brain damaged because my husband dropped him. I live with my parents. Still want to kiss? <laughs> the next morning, Kurt Warner shows up at her house, knocks on the door, and she about passes out. And she goes, I didn't scare you away. He said, no. He said, I just love you. I just think you're amazing. And she said, who are you? 
And he said, I'm just a wannabe quarterback. They get married. He goes into the European League, plays football, goes to the Canadian League, plays football. He, before that, he goes, he gets cut. He can't, he can't get a job. And at 22 years of age, he's a store clerk in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, making $5.50 an hour. I just want y'all to know he makes a little more than that today. But anyhow, he goes on, and in 1998, he makes the team with the St. Louis Rams. He becomes the most valuable player in all the NFL in 1999 and in the year 2001, and he wins the Super Bowl in 2000. A few years later, he finds himself playing now for the Arizona Cardinals, and he's back in the Super Bowl. And they lost to the Steelers, but by then everybody's like, Kurt Warner is one of the best football players to ever play. So in 2017, y'all ready for this? You just never know what God's doing. If you, had you told Kurt Warner when he was 22 years of age making $5.50 an hour, you are going to be inducted to the NFL Hall of Fame. He would have laughed. It's customary for you to ask somebody who's incredibly special to you to give the Hall of Fame speech when you're inducted. And Brenda's like, well, I was gonna ask Dick Vermeil because they talk to each other all the time. Whenever they talk to each other, they cry and they laugh and they, they're just soulmates. He said, Brenda, would you, would you give the speech as I'm inducted to the Hall of Fame? Amen. And you know what she did? She did it. And it was unbelievable. Feisting herself, talking about their story and the rejection, how she doesn't fit in with the other NFL wives. She didn't care. She just, she just let it rip. I wonder, I wonder if God has something like that going on today. That God has somebody he's about to let you meet for you to marry. Some of you single adults for the first time, you're like, Dude, that's the best news I've heard in a long, say that again. You just said, pastor, I'm about to find somebody. Hold on, don't, don't be careful. Could it be that there's a meeting about to happen? Could it be that God is working in a supernatural way, not, not only in salvation, but in sanctification and in baptism and in marriage and in having children and maybe Maybe today is a day you're going to look back in a few months, a few years and go, that was, a, that was a watershed day for me. The Holy Spirit of God touched me. Y'all, I believe in him as much as I believe that I'm standing here. It's called pneumatology. It's the study of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And I just want to tell you something. I love him. He's so sweet. He's so amazing. He's so convicting. And I love to be filled with him. And you know why? You know how I know I'm filled with the whole, man, I'm preaching long today and none of it, nobody's left. And I appreciate that. Kevin, you stop them, brother. You just wrestle them if they try to get out of here because they need to be in here. They need to hear it. You know how somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit? Thank you. Thank you for asking. That's such a good question. It's not how loud they are or how many tongues they speak in, it's how often they brag on Jesus. That is a spirit-filled individual, according to the word of God. Ooh, I'm so excited. I'm like, God, you know, last week I was preaching, a guy gets saved, and Daniel's already started discipling him. Isn't that cool? And Hannah, she, she gets, I met her just a few weeks ago. Man, Hannah is a chef, big time chef, and she gets recommitted to the Lord. She gets baptized. I'm wondering, Lord, who else is out there? And he's to surrender to Christ and follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you right quick. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the word of God that is living and breathing and, and it's convicting. Lord, some folks are convicted to the very core of their being and thank you, Lord, for doing it. Thank you, Lord, for putting your Holy Spirit in the place of pornography and they have been set free. I am so excited about that. Lord, what they could not, couldn't wrestle out from underneath it. 
but now the Holy Spirit of God and others. Lord, would you bring other people around them to encourage them, to strengthen them in this, in this commitment? Lord, I'm praying for people like Hannah who got baptized today. There are some here today, Lord, that need to get their baptism on the right side of the salvation. They've accepted you and, they, and they're ready to follow you. And I'm praying for them, Lord, that they would do that and they would be committed. They would let one of our dear pastors know and one of our ministers and say, hey, this is something now between me and God and I've really got to be obedient and do this. Maybe you're here and you're like, ooh, Holy Spirit, this is all new to me. How do I get him to fill me up? Every morning. Do these four things. Number one, recognize that you're a leaky vessel, all right? Recognize that you sin and daily you need to be filled. Repent of those sins. Repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Number three, request. Ask the Spirit of God to fill you. And then number four, receive Him. Receive Him. Lord, we love you. We're just so grateful for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord for the lives that are being changed. Lord, it could be a Kurt Warner is, he's about to meet his, his soulmate. Holy Spirit, would you do stuff like that? Would you do things that can only be attributed to you working in our lives outside the box? Lord, when you grafted us in, that was so outside the box. Lord, here we are as Gentiles, <laughs> praising your name because we've come by way of the cross. God, we love you. I'm praying, Lord, that people aren't bored. I'm praying that they're energized. I'm praying that as they stand, that they, they would praise you, Lord. We would sing one more song of praise, and then we would be on our way. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeff, Lori, y'all come on back, and you got somebody else coming? Or you want me to stay with you? Okay, I'll stay with you. Why don't y'all, do, do they stand at this time? Okay, y'all go ahead and stand, and we're going to sing a song of praise. Amen. Thank y'all. God bless you.